You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, brought to you by HoosierProud.com. Well, after taking the weekend off, the Hoosiers played just once over the past seven days. So on the bright side, Indiana didn't lose twice this week. Unfortunately, the one game Indiana did play ended the same way that five straight Indiana games have ended, and now ten overall in Big Ten play, and that is with the Hoosiers on the losing end. And take this how you will, either as a small silver lining or a sad source of even more frustration, but Indiana has actually been leading or tied at the final media timeout in three of the last four games. But at Iowa, as at Minnesota, and at home against Purdue, and even at Wisconsin, atrocious late-game execution doomed the Hoosiers. And now at 15-13, and 13, with three games left and two on the road, the Hoosiers sit firmly on the bubble, the NIT bubble. I am your host, Jared Morris, here to discuss all of this and more with you and with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live immediately after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com. And if you can't listen live, no worries. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, and you will find us. I will begin this week's show as we begin every postgame show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, and you know, it's hard, getting harder and harder to find banner moments here as the losing streak grows. Uh, but my banner moment for this week is the fast start that Indiana got off to at Iowa and the 17-4 to lead that they built late because I really liked what I saw early in that game from the Hoosiers. I thought the team had a great spark. They had great energy. I thought there was a real enthusiasm about the way that they were playing, and they came out making shots. They came out attacking, uh, and they were able to build that big lead. And to me, that at least suggested that this team isn't quitting on the season or on each other or on their coach, which obviously gets easier and easier and more likely to happen as losses continue to pile up. Now, granted, Iowa's lackadaisical start contributed to it, and 22 turnovers over the course of 40 minutes doesn't exactly scream focused team, but as the death march towards season's end continues and bright spots become fewer and further between, we really can't be too picky. So for me, in a week with one game which Indiana lost, I will go back to the start and use that for my banner moment. All right, well, let me introduce my esteemed co-host to my left. We have the host of Bracketology.fm and the world's number one ranked bracketologist, according to Bracketmatrix.com. He is also the president of the suddenly resurgent Robert Johnson fan club. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, welcome. What was your Bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball? Well, it's, it's funny you bring up that start because as I look back on that game, the one thing that sticks, uh, I guess a couple of things stick out to me. One, during even during that stretch, and they're really playing well for the first time in what felt like a long time. You still didn't get the the feeling that these guys were having all that much fun. Uh, and I think even, you know, sitting as a fan, while it was enjoyable to watch and nice to see some of the guys play well, Robert Johnson, you know, being one of those, as you mentioned, 
Uh, I think this season has, uh, you know, kind of given me the the approach that I'm just going to wait for something bad to happen. And I think to a certain extent, it felt like the team was doing the same thing. And, um, you know, I think you need to look no further than that stat you gave about how they'd been leading in so many of these close games. But a couple of things start to go wrong and then it really snowballs. And, uh, you know, you wind up in another overtime game and, and really got away from him uh, there while, you know, while Peter Jock paraded to the free throw line. But it just... Uh, it, you know, you kind of sometimes the the mood of the fan base and the feel of the fan base uh, matches that of the team, and it just kind of felt like uh, everybody was just waiting for something to go wrong, no matter how good the start seemed to be. And I think, you know, as we uh, as we proceed through the death march, as you called it, uh, I think everybody's kind of you know continuing to fear the worst. Although I did see uh, tonight on uh, on a uh, on the NBC Sports had a story about the main basketball team. Apparently, guys got into a fist fight over locker room music. So uh, if there's any silver lining, it could be worse. All righty. Thank you for the optimism, Andy. Uh, That's what I'm I'm here for. (laughs) That's what you're here for. To my right, we have a man who is very excited about the new USC Trojans running backs coach, who, if you didn't know, as of this week, is former IU super assistant Dylan McCullough. Uh, He is also a columnist for TheBigLead.com by day and public enemy number one of Big Ten officiating by night. He is... Ryan Phillips. Ryan, welcome. What is your rant from the past week in IU basketball? Well, I think I spent enough time on the post game show talking about officiating in the Big Ten, so we can we can go ahead and move past that. But, you know, thanks for mentioning that in the intro. It didn't get my blood pressure up at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's part of your brand, man. It really is. It's become that way, and it was totally unintentional. Um, so I, I usually these are pretty long winded for me. I, I'm going to be really succinct tonight for the first time maybe ever on the show. Uh, I, I it's just sad where we're at right now. A season that started with so much promise and with so many positives and uh, so much momentum behind it. Coming off of last year, returning a lot of players, uh, you know, losing a lot of leadership, but you know, replacing it with a lot of talent. And then just seeing it go down the tank. I mean, and and I'll give the kids credit. You know, for the most part, they're still playing hard. They're just not playing smart. They're not playing focused. And you can tell they're getting down on themselves. And that that's sad to watch a team that's a group of guys that's that talented uh, really struggle the way they have. So I would just say, you know, limping to the finish here. Um, you know, uh, the players know how poorly they're playing and they know how bad the team is. And I, I don't think it's our job to to beat them up. I don't think it's the fans job to beat them up e- even further. Um, this is well acknowledged that they're struggling. They know it. We know it. Their coaches know it. Uh, so I think it's, you know, um, I, I think it, it behooves the fan base to sort of, you know, ease up on them as they come down the stretch. They know how bad it's been. And uh, I, I don't I don't really want to hear booing this weekend uh, during the final home game. I don't think that that's fair to the kids who are who are trying. They're just not getting it done. I agree with you. I don't think it's fair to the coaches either. And we'll actually talk about that uh, later in the show. I want to get into that a little bit. Um, and, and let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. So we've got a great show for you. It's packed. Uh, we're going to talk about what is a reasonable standard for Indiana basketball. This is a topic that has kind of been going around. I got into a nice conversation uh, about it with some folks after the IU-Iowa game. 
So let's, let's actually try and quantify. What are the standards that we expect? Uh, let's talk about the conundrum that faces Fred Glass this offseason uh, because I think the options that are there for Fred and the one that is the unacceptable one, uh, it may surprise you. It may not be the one that you're thinking of. And then let's look ahead to Saturday, guys, to that game against Northwestern. Obviously, it's senior night, uh, and, and there could be a lot of other meanings uh, attached to that game as well. And if we have time at the end, we will talk about the terrible season for the Big Ten uh, this year, which has just been awful. All of that on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. First, I do want to take a quick second and tell you about our presenting sponsor, HoosierProud.com, because if you consider yourself a Hoosier, and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. So you've got the, the iconic... Pink Floyd, Indiana shirt, which is just a really, really cool-looking T-shirt. They're really neat, you know, State of Indiana outline T-shirts. There's just some really, really neat stuff there. Uh, And me describing it doesn't do it justice. You need to go to HoosierProud.com and check it out. And there's definitely a reason to go this week because we're doing kind of a co-promotion with them this week. And they gave us a special promo code, THANKYOU20, which actually will allow you to get 20% off your order at HoosierProud.com. That's bigger than the normal discount. Uh, And we actually have assembly call zip hoodies there now. Uh, with zip hoodies, uh, hoodies with our assembly call logo on them, they look really, really cool, and you actually get an extra discount on those too. So assembly call gear, really cool state of Indiana gear, all kinds of stuff. Go to HoosierProud.com, check it out, and again, the promo code is thank you twenty, thank you twenty at HoosierProud.com. All right, well, you are listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Uh, so I've got a couple of stats to toss out to you that I think kind of sum up where we are this season. Uh, One of them is, you know, I think it was sometime maybe in early December or November, Indiana was ranked number three in the country. Uh, We are now, what, two and a half months later, three months later. Indiana isn't even in the top ten in the Big Ten, uh, which is just sad and crazy to think that we could be here. And here's another one that may kind of blow your mind a little bit. So, and, and this was tweeted out earlier today by Jeremy Price. Indiana is ranked number 78 in KPI. That's one of the many metrics that gets used. And teams with former Hoosiers that are ahead of Indiana in the KPI include Providence, where Emmett Holt is, Rhode Island, uh, where Stan Robinson is, Andy's favorite former Hoosier. Uh, hey, we Houston. were, I mean, we, we knew Stan Robinson was capable of leading a team to sure. a, a higher rating uh, for years. You and I died he on did. that hill. So he, he was Robert I Johnson feel, before there was Robert Johnson. That's I know. True. I feel semi, I feel semi vindicated now that he is, uh, he is on a team that's doing. Is he shooting righty or lefty? What's, I mean, have we, did you ever figure that out? Is he just not shooting at all? That might be better. Yeah. That might be why they're doing well. That's, that's might might be better. So by the way, that's not all the teams with former Hoosiers ahead of Indiana in the KPI Houston, obviously where Devin Davis is and East Tennessee state where Hunter Perea is playing all of those teams with former Hoosiers somehow ranked ahead of Indiana. So if you want just kind of a couple of quick numbers to put this season into perspective, uh, those will do it. Any any reaction from you guys on those numbers besides just gouging your eye out with a pencil? I How about just a long pers- side? Yeah, yeah, perspective there seemed like code for salt in the wound. I'm not sure what you're, you know. Yeah, while you're at it, why don't you just give us a paper cuts and pour lemon juice in them? And 
Yeah, so throw sand in our eyes. So and... on a serious note, guys, I recorded an episode of podcast on the brink yesterday with Alex Bozich and Zach Osterman, and I want to bring up a point that Zach made real quick because it was interesting, and frankly, it's something that I haven't thought about. So the three of us have kind of poo pooed this national narrative that has been going on, and some Indiana fans buy into this too. That basically the whole season turned when OG got hurt, and because of that, you know, you kind of have to give Tom Crean a pass, and it's tough to judge the year because OG went out, and and we've. You give that some credence, of course, but as we all know, Indiana was playing poorly even before that. But I will say, Zach said something today that, that made me consider this at least a little bit more, and I hadn't thought about it. And he hearkened back to Victor Oladipo's sophomore season and the emergence that Victor made late in that sophomore year. And he talked about the road game at Purdue. Uh, where, you know, Indiana obviously hadn't won at Purdue in Crean's tenure. They went up there. They won by 17 points. Oladipo was a big part of that because they basically, you know, put him out as the point man on the offense. And he basically showed a different level to his game than we had seen. And it was kind of a, a, a next step for Victor that was really a big harbinger of his great junior year to come. And that is the one thing from OG. You know, we talk about how he was struggling when he got hurt. The one thing that now we didn't get to see with his injury, and we don't know if it could have lifted this Indiana team to, to higher levels, especially given the amount of close games they've played, is what if he made a bit of a midseason leap? Or, or what if Indiana's coaches found a good way to get him involved, maybe that he hadn't been before, a change in roles that kind of altered things? And his injury kind of cost him that chance, Indiana that chance. And so, again, I, I don't buy into the narrative that it's the biggest reason why Indiana has struggled, but I hadn't considered that angle of it before, kind of another thing that Indiana lost when he went down. And he's a guy talented enough that he could have made that kind of leap in a season. And so I thought it was fair to bring up um, because I think that is, you know, kind of another valid point to add to the, to the OG injury narrative. Um, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on that too before we move on. Andy, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it was interesting when I listened to that, you know, I, I thought back to that game and, and, you know, that was kind of a turning point from, from his perspective. I also think, uh, you know, to a certain extent, they were in a point that season where they, you know, had lost what they were, you know, five and six in the big 10 coming into that game. So kind of needed, uh, something to change, something to go well, um, and, and really kind of, you know, jolted them a little bit and, you know, sh- shifted things around, um, but I also think you had, you know, again, you kind of look around at other players on that team who had, you know, played different roles. And I think guys who were willing to uh, take a step back if they needed to and, and not worry about, you know, being the focal point of the offense as, as they might have been. I think you had a really uh, unselfish team uh, in general as we, you know, kind of look back on that group of guys. And I I don't know, at least based on some of the comments that, um, you know, Crean has made over the course of this year. Uh, if, if there are guys on this team who would be as willing to do that, uh, and maybe that was why you saw OG even in the games that he did play as a guy who's pretty quiet uh, and and very you know reserved and and doesn't show a ton of emotion, um, it, it kind of allowed him to easily you know slip into the background and be you know somewhat invisible at times. We talk about you know in that Maryland game that huge dunk and we kept wondering like well where had he been the rest of that game and I think might be a combination of his personality and the other and the personalities of the other guys on the team that that may not have uh, allowed for that kind of role change to happen midseason. Yeah. Ryan, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair point that you you didn't get to see him uh, make that growth at the next, you know, 
to the next level uh, because of that injury. I, I think that the team's problems are a little were a little more serious than that. And even with an OG Grosper, you may not have gotten uh, to the level that this team needed to be at and where its talent was uh you know, commensurate with its talent, I guess I would say. Uh, that said, uh, it, it is, I mean, it was a huge loss. Look, you can't downplay that. I know we've talked about how well they were already struggling, but it is a huge loss to lose a guy like that. Anytime you lose somebody that talented who gives you that much on both ends of the floor who has the potential to, uh, it is a huge loss. So I, I think you do have to consider that. That doesn't excuse the season, though, as some people have decided to do. Um, and it doesn't, it, you know, good teams rally after injuries. They don't fall apart. I agree with you. All righty. Well, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to discuss what reasonable expectations are for Indiana basketball. What is the standard? We'll all give our thoughts. We obviously want to get your thoughts as well. That is next on the assembly call. Stay with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris, here talking IU Hoops with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And gentlemen, let's talk standards and expectations. Because as we come to the end of the season, as we come to the third year in four, you know, that, that has been underwhelming and that I think almost all Indiana fans would say fall short of expectations, it feels like a good time to define and to quantify what those expectations are. Because... We all kind of have these general expectations that Indiana should compete for another banner, that Indiana should compete for Big Ten titles. But what is it really? Because this seems like the kind of thing that we measure seasons against and whether or not we're going to be enthusiastic all through the season and whether or not we want to keep a coach. So it feels like we should at least try to quantify it. And so let's all kind of go around. And we want you to chime in on Twitter, too. Tweet us at Assembly Call. Let us know what your standards and expectations are for Indiana basketball. Uh, but let's talk about this. And Ryan, you know, we'll start with you. You, and I think our our context and our history as IU fans is somewhat relevant to this discussion. You know, you obviously came to your IU fandom a little bit later than Andy and I did. You didn't necessarily grow up, you know, steeped in believing that Bob Knight was a deity and Indiana basketball. You know, it was a birthright to compete for national championships with IU basketball. So I think you actually have a more objective maybe removed perspective on it than even andy and i do um which is that your way was that your way of saying i'm not crazy like most iu fans and i'm, I'm i actually live in reality or actually that, it was, it was my way to being hurtful on your yeah. part he was trying to be nice to you <laughs> i was actually no, not, i was i was trying to subtly brand you as the outsider so that when things <laughs> go wrong people know that you're the one of the three of us to attack um, but no, I, just because I think the biases that you bring to any discussion are important and they're important to lay out there. Um, so, sure. so, so let's start with you. I mean, to you, what is the standard for IU basketball? What should it be? I, I think that the cutoff for Indiana basketball, anything below this, in my opinion, is a disappointing season. Now, I don't mean it's a coach gets fired season, but I mean, it's a, Hey, that we, we can do better than that is uh, a sweet 16 appearance and top four finish in the big 10. I think that that is the standard every year. Now, obviously, in there, you're going to want to compete for national championships. You're going to want to have a season where you go on a run to a Final Four, you know, things like that, and a season where you win the Big Ten. But in a tough conference that's that's 
uh, well, not this year, but is perennially a difficult conference like the Big Ten, you want to finish in the top four. I think that's you want to consistently finish in the top four. And then I think that the baseline has to be a sweet 16. Now, if you go to the round of 32 and face a tough matchup and you lose in a good game in the, in the tournament or something, you of course make exceptions for that. And you understand things do that because there is so much luck involved in the draw and all that. Um, but I think that a sweet 16 and a top four finish in the big 10 is your yearly baseline as a blue blood program. I do still think Indiana is a blue blood program, given the tradition given the resources and given the standing in the state. I mean, you can talk about how, you know, Notre Dame over the last few years has had a better basketball program than Indiana, quite frankly, uh, based on results, but you don't have Notre Dame fans everywhere in the state out drowning out everybody else. I mean, Indiana isn't Indiana university state and, and you find fans all over. It's a, it's an Indiana mad state. And so when you have that kind of, support base you have that kind of those kind of resources uh i think that that is your standard as a blue blood is is a sweet 16 and a top four finish in the big 10 um i think that's the standard for all blue bloods uh i really do i don't think that's any different than a duke a north carolina uh whoever else that is what your standard is and it's tough to live up to and this job is not for everybody it has to be somebody who's ready to reload and recharge and make a run every single year that term blue blood is interesting because, I mean, Indiana hasn't really competed consistently at a national level, what you would kind of consider blue blood production since the early 90s. But from what I'm hearing from you, and I agree with this, by the way, and, and based on the way that you know, a lot of other people talk about IU basketball, to me, blue blood is more if you're firing at your highest potential this is where you are. And I think that's the thing right. about Indiana is it's kind of a sleeping giant right now because it has this untapped potential that, you know, even the final night years it wasn't able to tap into. Um, is that kind of how you look at the term blue blood? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that it's 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 what you could be. And, and, and this is certainly a program that could compete for national titles every year with the right person in place, with the right people below him, with the right resources, with the right... Um, just, you know, structure around them, I would say, um, like in Alabama and football, like, you know, obviously not on the run they're on now. That's un it's crazy, but you know, when Alabama wasn't good for a long time, that was still a blue blood program. That was still Alabama before Nick Saban got there. And that potential always existed. They got the right coach in there and now they're on a run of the national championships. Uh, I would say USC football was similar for a long time. That, that program was awful for two decades. Uh, and finally they got the right person in there exploded a bit. Um, you can say that about plenty of basketball programs. Um, but I think that, you know, Kentucky was, was not where it should have been for a long time. John Calipari has taken it to that level, though we hate to see it happen. Uh, so I think that it, just because you haven't been competing or doing what you should do for a long time, doesn't diminish the fact that that is a dominant program or a potential to be a dominant program and the potential for greatness is there. I don't think that changes just because you've been unsuccessful for a long time. So I may be the quote outsider of the group, but my standards for Indiana are very high. And I think that it needs to uh, have the right person in charge to take it to there. And I just don't think Indiana has been able to find that person in a while. For future reference, if we ever want to talk about SEC football again, we'll we'll bring Pete Feinbaum on the show. Okay, just so you know. Yeah, get that Pete Feinbaum uh, and that John Harbaugh. Yes, 
Uh, you're listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms talking standards and expectations for IU basketball. Uh, and it, it is fair to note, Ryan, you, you did go to Indiana. You wrote for the IDS, so you do have a long history with Indiana basketball. I lived in the state for almost a decade. Yes. Yeah, so yes. I, I have a long the, history. The difference is, you know, Andy and I grew up pretending to be Calvert Chaney and Greg Graham in our driveways, uh, you know, going to games, probably passing each other in the halls of Assembly Hall when we were kids, not even knowing it. Um, so Andy, what are your standards for Indiana basketball? Like, what do you think Indiana should be shooting for every year and measuring itself against? I mean, I think I'm pretty close to, to what Ryan had said. You know, I think making the NCAA tournament is a, is a bare minimum. And I think in some ways you're kind of comparing it to, to what we've seen over the course of the Korean era. I think one, the range of outcomes is a little bit less wide. Uh, and I think the, the floor is higher and so is the ceiling. And so I think, um, you know, you look at those things and say, you know, NCAA tournament feels like a, you know, a bare minimum. Um, the top four in the Big Ten, I would agree with. And and, and in, in terms of where you get in the NCAA tournament, I, you know, obviously the occasional, you know, final four national championship. I think the Sweet 16 thing is is a good one, because presumably in most years, if you're finishing in the, the top four of the Big Ten, you're going to get a seed that should likely allow you to get to the to the Sweet 16. So um, I think I would agree w- with Ryan's uh, on court. Ones. I think the other thing to, to mention, I think this is something that Crean has been uh, rightfully applauded for is what he's done from an academic standpoint and um, and those kinds of things, particularly in light of, of where the program was when he took it over. And so, you know, I think those things are still important. Uh, and, and so, you know, to kind of add on to that outside of that, I think a lot of people get hung up on the you know path you take to reach those expectations in terms of what kind of players you have and who that coach is and, and where they came from and what their background is. I don't necessarily fall into the category of how you get their matters. Um, while, you know what, I probably wouldn't love the John Calipari approach to kind of, you know, use one of the examples that Ryan had, um, you know, seeing the, the revolving door of players go here and there. Um, but I also think people would, uh, in some ways, so long as the other standards were upheld, uh, be able to make their peace with that in a way that, you know, it's easy to act now like you wouldn't, but uh, if you're competing at that level, you're in and you're out. I don't know that there's uh, I don't know that the, the, the objections that people would say they have would actually uh, would actually come to fruition. So I, I agree with everything that you both just said. Um, well, that I makes think, this boring. Well, it? no, but, but hang on, because I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to put a little bit, apply a little more pressure to you because I think we need to quantify it even more because I agree. Top four finish in the Big Ten, Sweet 16. Like, that to me seems like the reasonable expectation for Wisconsin basketball right now. And if Indiana can't aspire to at least be what Wisconsin is, we have some real problems. And so I have no problem at all saying that that's the standard. The question becomes, what do you do when the standard isn't reached? And how long are you willing to go and be patient while the standard isn't being reached, right? So Indiana has made three Sweet 16s out of the last, what, six years. They're obviously not going to make one this year. They're going to have missed two NCAA tournaments while also winning two Big Ten titles, but then finishing outside of the top four in the Big Ten, I think four out of those years. So, you know, look at it over a 10-year span, right? Like how many times do you think it would be reasonable out of a decade to miss the NCAA tournament or to finish outside of the top four? Because I think the other thing that we've noticed is it's not just about reaching kind of the occasional great moment. It's about some kind of sustained success and consistency and reliability from year to year to where it's like, okay, you know, some programs, they have to kind of regroup and they get a really good group and they're really good one year, but then it takes them two or three years to get back to it. 
I think the other thing that defines a blue blood is your ability to just reload and be good again next year and guys leave and you you have other guys who can step in and you're just constantly kind of reloading, staying good. The standard doesn't shift. It stays the same. And we have spent the last six years with a constantly shifting standard from season to season, within seasons, it's all over the place. That's the other thing that I think should be an expectation and a standard. So, A, do you, do you agree with that? Ryan, we'll go to you first. And B, like, you know, how many years out of 10 would you give an eye? Because you know that you're going to have a bad season every now and then. You have to be reasonable. But how many do you give a coach at a place like Indiana? Well, I think, I think once every eight years or so missing a tournament, if the extenuating circumstances are you graduated a bunch of really good players or, or lost some unexpected guys to the draft or, or something like that, that you just couldn't prepare for maybe missed on a recruiter or two that could have come in and made an immediate impact. That stuff happens. Um, yeah, Kentucky missed the, missed the NCAA tournament a few years ago, you know, with a, a loaded team. Uh, but they just, it, you know, it didn't gel and it didn't work right. So I think that, you're looking at a situation as, as you're referring to it um, where, yeah, occasionally you have to make an excuse for a bad season, a bad stretch of play. Maybe you get injuries, maybe you get other things. So, I mean, there's so much that goes into it, but at the same time, uh, you know, I think six out of 10 years, you got to be hitting that standard at least, uh, you know, to be, as you said, a consistent winner. If you're, if you're, if you're looking at it on a 10 year scale, six out of those years, you got to hit that standard at least. And, and in there, in of those six years, somewhere you got to go even further. Yeah. You got to win the conference title. You got to make a run to the final four. So I think that six out of 10 is reasonable as long as within those six where you're hitting your mark, you're also going above and beyond because then that, that sort of, uh, makes up for the fact that you might miss it a year or two, uh, and then you know have the one really bad year. I mean, if you win a, if you if in a decade you win a national title, no one's going to care if you miss out of one year in that decade if you miss the tournament one time. You know that's expected. It happens. People have down years. Um, as long as you're reaching those heights, it's not a problem. Problem with Indiana is it has not reached those heights has not gone beyond that standard, and it makes the gullies e- feel even deeper. Yeah, and otherwise, it's not a standard. It's just a hope, right? And we're talking about standards and expectations. Andy, what do you think? I mean, I'd probably say, uh, you know, making the tournament, you know, of those 10 years, I'd say nine. I mean, if you I think agree. about who who you would really classify as the, you know, kind of using blue blood as the the definition, if you think about the teams that you would typically put in that category today, so that would be the, you know, the Dukes, Carolinas, Kansas, Kentucky, Um, I don't know who else you'd, you know, you'd kind of throw in that group, but you know, uh, if, if you want to be considered there and IU certainly has the facilities that compare with those, they have the recruiting budgets that compares to those, you know, all the things that, you know, Zach said in the, in, in podcast on the brink, then I think that's the standard that you, you hold yourself to. And I think if you ask any of those fan bases out of 10 years, how many years do you expect to make the NCAA tournament? They're going to say nine or 10. Uh, if you ask them how many, years they're going to be in the top four of their league. Now, Kentucky, because the SEC is a you know crap fest, then um, you'd probably say top two maybe in that case. But, um, you know, I think those are, you know, to, to finish there a year or two out, outside of that. And then uh, I think maybe the more interesting question for you guys is, so out of those 10 years, how many how many Final Fours is, uh, is good or good enough? Or, or would you say, uh, would what number would you put that part at? Yeah, because that's the next interesting question is you do like I, I think, you know, you've got to make the tournament and then from there it can be such a crapshoot. But at some point, the dice have to kind of roll in your favor, you know, like it just it has to happen or you start to think it's just not if possible. you're making it. 
if, if you're if, making it every year, that luck evens out. Yes, I mean, it really making it every year and getting good seeds. You know, you want to obviously get good seeds. And so I think, you know, Indiana should be getting to at least one or two Final Fours every decade. There, you know, and maybe maybe more than that. But certainly getting, you know, to the Elite Eights, getting, you know, three Elite Eights, two Final Fours. Like, I don't think that is unreasonable. Um, and if you give yourself enough chances, you'll do that. You know, the problem is Tom Crean's, you know, only given himself what, the, you know, the, the four chances. Uh, the one, obviously, was, you know, you're seated 10, so you kind of expect to lose that one. And the other ones, you know, yeah, they did get some crap matchups in the Sweet 16, um, but you just got to keep giving yourself those opportunities because at some point a bracket will open up to you. Just ask Mike Davis what can happen when a bracket opens up for you. You know, so that stuff does happen. You just got to keep chipping away, having good teams, and being well-prepared, which, to be fair, is the one thing Indiana hasn't been in those Sweet 16 losses. By the way, one other thing. Maybe it's the, the term blue bloods that's the problem because look at all the other teams associated with it. Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, UCLA, they all have blue. So maybe we need to go to red blood and let's grab like Arizona and Wisconsin and let's grab some other teams and let's start our own thing and let all those other that schools. Is a, you know, that's a really interesting point. I've never, ever even thought of that. And you're, I hate to say this, but you're right. Oh my God. Uh, what about Syracuse's, I guess that would be orange blood when they, but no, they're not really one. I don't think they're just Jim Beheim cheating his way to wins. So yeah, I don't um, know. No, I, I don't know. On, on that awkward note, maybe we should uh, maybe we should move on here, uh, and let's. Uh, so, what do you guys think? Let, let's talk about let's talk about the coach because the man who's held accountable for the standard is the coach. And so, there's an interesting article on SI.com that was put out, and we also want to talk about the really interesting conundrum uh, that's going to face Fred Glass at the end of this season. Um, and so we will talk about that. We'll talk about the article on SI.com, talk about the coach of the Indiana Hoosiers. That is coming up next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. And for about the next week, if you use the promo code THANKYOU20, you get 20% off everything at HoosierProud.com, so make sure you go check them out. I'm Jared Morris, here talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. You can join us after every IU basketball game over at assemblycall.com and every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. Uh, So I mentioned at the top of the show an interesting article by Pete Thamel at SI.com where he basically projects the coaching carousel uh, for this offseason, says it'll be one of the more active coaching carousels in recent memory. And when he talks about the Big Ten in his section about Indiana, the opening statement is there's an industry-wide expectation this job will be open this year. He actually puts the percentage at 80%. So this you know, certainly kind of goes along with stuff that we've been hearing with just the ongoing conversation, obviously publicly among IU fans, um, that, you know, look, no one knows exactly what will happen, but certainly I think it's become clear, and it becomes even more clear with each passing loss, that Fred Glass is going to have to make a big decision this offseason. And so... Obviously, he's got three choices. He can move on from Tom Crean. He can give Tom Crean an extension. Or he can kind of kick the can down the road, and, and, and Tom Crean will have three years left on his deal and basically say, let's play this season out and let's see what happens. 
Now, that may sound like, okay, three years, that's a lot of years left, but the way that contracts work in college basketball is a coach typically has at least four years on his deal, and the reason for that, obviously, is a four-year scholarship. It's, very, it's, it's much more difficult to recruit when you don't have that extra year, those four years, because it seems like the university isn't committed to you. There will be, obviously, some negative recruiting against that, and it will really just kind of hamper Tom Crean's ability to try and rebuild what is obviously broken from this year and maybe just end up delaying the inevitable. So to me, there are really only two options for Fred Glass this offseason. You've either got to move on from Tom Crean, say that nine years is enough. You know, there's been some really good moments, but the standard for IU basketball is higher. We want to move on and see what's behind door number two, see if someone else can take us higher, or you have to extend him. And I know right now, given this season, that sounds like kind of an insane option, but it is the only other option to me that's, that's even worth discussing outside of moving on. Because if you go for option number three, you don't make a decision, you kick the can down the road, all you're doing is kind of delaying the inevitable. And to me, if you're not willing to commit to the guy, that says enough, then let's move on. So, and we don't know what decision Fred will make, but I really think it boils down to one of those two. Andy, do you see any way that it makes any sense for the for that third decision to even be entertained no i i just don't know how you go on in in limbo with that i think you've already got um you know question marks with that would already be out there and i think it would just the the chorus of fans and people asking you know what what really is the future of this just gets louder and louder at that point and while you know glass isn't going to come out and publicly address that there there's no question that he hears that and and knows that that uh, in that scenario only gets only gets louder. And to your point, uh, if you're not willing to commit at that point, what, what exactly are you expecting to happen uh, in, in the future? And that just lays this whole, you know, specter over the entire next season of, oh, we got to get it done because you're, you know, this is a, you know, make or break year, which uh, would inevitably be the, the storyline for the entire season. Not to mention, you know, and maybe a really experienced team could kind of handle that. But look at what Indiana is likely to have coming back next year, you know, which is not a ton of experience. You know, obviously, you know, you're kind of expecting Thomas Bryant, OG. The expectation has been all year that they move on. Blackman, too. I mean, next year isn't exactly set up to be a resurgent Indiana team. And so that even makes it, you know, even less of, of a good decision to make. Ryan, do you see any other alternatives? No, I don't think you can kick the can down the road, and quite frankly, I don't think you can extend him. I just don't. Um, I think that the the fans and the money brokers at Indiana would be in revolt if you did that because you're spending the money they're giving you, uh, extending a guy who hasn't been terribly successful lately. Uh, so I think I, I think he really is left with one option, and and it's the option that uh, you know you never like to have. You don't want to fire your coach. You just don't because then you got to go and take a chance on another guy. So I think, uh, that is the big, uh, decision that, that Fred glass faces. And we haven't really seen him face before he didn't hire Tom green. Uh, and he has not hired a basketball coach. Obviously it's a big deal at Indiana and, uh, he's, he's got a, he's got a really tough situation. And I, I would bet, I mean, just, 
based on the way these things work, I would bet the decision has already been made. I mean, the way things are going, I think the decision has already been made. But uh, obviously, he's not going to say anything, and they're not going to fire him in season. And it's actually it's foolish to fire your coach in season, um, you know, because nothing's going to change. You know, unless there's some kind of impropriety, you don't fire a coach mid season. It's it's pointless to do that. So I think we'll see. Uh, I, I think that the decision's already been made, and I think we're we're heading in that direction. And there's, of course, been speculation that maybe Tom Crean decides to leave on his own and find a soft landing spot. And then there, of course, has been counter speculation to that speculation that that wouldn't happen, given that Tom Crean's son is going to go to Indiana and, and all of those factors. So there's a lot of speculation out there. And obviously, there's a lot of names being speculated about, you know, if Fred Glass does decide to move on, you know, who are the names? And I think if that happens, we will obviously spend a lot of time discussing that in the offseason. Um, and, and, and I know that you all want us to get into that. And every time I do a request for topics, you know, you mentioned that you want to talk, want us to talk about that. And I promise you, we will, uh, once that happens, but it's generally not something that we've discussed during the season. Cause another, you know, that job is filled right now and it's just kind of, you know, baseless speculation. Stop but dancing with, around it, Jared. Stop <laughs> dancing around it. Get into it. There's one name we're going to discuss. Okay, fine. One name we're going to discuss because I, and I agree with you on this, this name keeps coming up and I kind of just want to preempt it because I think, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it should happen. And I believe that you have prepared some material for us to provide evidence for why it shouldn't happen. Now, tw- now hang on. As further, as further backdrop, though, and to further, you know, portray Ryan as the outsider, I did see an exchange with him and someone else on Twitter today who I do not agree with under any in any way uh, that basically says Ryan is unqualified to have an opinion on this because he is not from Indiana uh, and his uh, it was essentially asking for his credentials. So Jared and I do not fall in this camp. We're willing to hear Ryan out regardless of his background. Um, but, uh, you know, just to just to kind of preface where this came from, I think there was proper context was needed. So, Ryan, well, the floor, the floor is yours. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate you handing that over, Mr. Bottoms. Uh, I, I, I more than anyone over the past few weeks, I've had people in my timeline saying, oh, we got to get offered. We got to get offered. We got to get Steve offered. We got to get Steve offered. Uh, no, we don't have to get Steve offered. He is absolutely what Indiana does not need. Uh, in 22 seasons as a head coach, Steve Alford, he's in his 22nd now. He's been to a Sweet 16 three times. Tom Crane's been three times in the last, what, six years? Uh, five years. He's been what, one, two, three. Yeah, five before this year. This is a guy who whose teams fall below expectations. He's got a good UCLA team this year that plays no defense and is basically run by Lonzo Ball and his father. Don't let that one season fool you. Look at his track record uh, in his in his coaching career at four different stops, Missouri State, Iowa, New Mexico, and now UCLA. He's won two outright championships in 22 years, two outright championships. He's won two other co-championships. All four of those came and his six-year stint in New Mexico where there was no other team in the league playing well. Uh, So I'm sorry, I just don't get it. If Steve Alford had never played for Indiana, he wouldn't even be in this discussion. Um, Some more facts. Six, Six times in 22 years, his team has finished inside the top 25. Six times the final AP top 25. That, that's not consistent success. That's that's ragged, up and down, 
success that you can't count on. That's exactly what we have right now with Tom Crean, a team that does teams that don't play defense and aren't consistent. That's not what Indiana basketball should be striving for. I've had people say like, Oh, Alford's better than Crean. Okay, fine. He's it, it, let's say he's better than Crean. He is mildly better than Tom Crean at best. You should be aiming far higher than that. You're aiming for championship pedigree, not a guy who's who rarely ever makes the Sweet 16. And we've seen him in the Big Ten, you know. So it's and not like it would it be terrible. Yes, yes. By the way, I think I I heard a stat about Bill Self that. I believe in his coaching career, he was at Illinois, obviously at Kansas, he was at Tulsa. I believe he's never finished lower than second in a conference. You know, because you yeah, said... I heard, I heard the same thing. Which yeah. is amazing. Like, think about that. That's you know, unbelievable. And, and, it's no off years. I mean, no, and, 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 and look, Bill Selfs don't grow on trees. He's an amazing coach. What he's done at Kansas is incredible. But why shouldn't Indiana be striving for a guy like that? You know, again, probably never going to get it, but shoot for something like that. You know, if you can't get a proven star at the college level who's done it, you know, like you mentioned, you know, Billy Donovan, someone like that, or kind of an up-and-comer, you know, try and find someone who's had success in their conference. Because that, to me, has always been a predictor of a good basketball coach who can maybe move up a level or change scenes and still succeed. The conference that you're in, are you dominating that conference? Are you winning consistently at that conference? In that conference... And there, that, that's what Indiana fans want and expect. And I totally agree with you. And there are people out there who are trying to convince me on Twitter that Steve Alford is a better option than Billy Donovan. Like, guys, you've you got to get, get off out Twitter, of, man. I, I know. Seriously, <laughs> it, it just I mean, I'm losing hair over it. Um, no, it, it's you've got to get out of that Indiana centric. We don't need an Indiana guy with coach. You need the best coach available not somebody associated with indiana i see people saying well we should go get dane fife who's been a head coach for about five minutes and has been an assistant coach he's not ready to coach indiana basketball i mean i like dane fife a lot i hope he becomes a great coach and maybe someday down the line he becomes indiana's head coach but you've got to get out of that only indiana indiana guy like only people from indiana can understand the culture of indiana basketball i mean bob knight is from ohio you know, I mean, it's it's you've got to find the best coach, not the best Indiana coach. And and I think that that's what Indiana should be striving for. And, and I thank goodness I trust the people in charge to actually go do that. Yeah, um, you're listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Andy, any any final thoughts about about now? Look, if Steve Offer wants to come play for Indiana. He can come play anytime he wants to. We'll, we'll gladly yeah, accept man. that. Guy could, guy could still hit an open jumper. I'm fine with yeah. him being on the team. But <laughs> We could have used him in some of these past games. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I, I would just like to tell Ryan that uh, Jim Fredette era BYU would like a word with you about nobody else good being in the Mountain West. So that's... Uh, yeah. And in on. your own backyard, San Diego State. Come on. But yeah, they were... Those your were some of the is, weaker San Diego State teams during that era. That's why New Mexico kept winning. Come on. We all know that. No, your your point is well taken. I, I, I just don't see it. And and I think for people to say that he would be a better hire than Billy Donovan is is uh, ludicrous. That's, to say I least. mean, yeah, that's that's lunacy. That's not I mean, that's not even like that's the kind of thing. I and mean, I was born in Indiana, so I can say that you, on the other hand, uh, yeah, right. I mean, while while entitled to your opinion, it means it means a little bit less. You know how sometimes the SEC, it just means more now because you're not from Indiana. It just means less. That's right. 
That's all right. All right, hey, uh, coming up in our final segment, with whatever time that we have left, we will look ahead to the game Saturday, to senior night Saturday, IU Northwestern, and then also talk a little bit about just how bad the Big Ten has been this year, because my goodness, is it bad. That's next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris, talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up here on a Friday. Uh, We teased Big Ten basketball. We don't have enough time to get into it too much, Uh, but I will put over in the blog post uh, for this episode at AssemblyCall.com a link to Mark Titus' article uh, entitled, Big Ten Basketball is in a no-good, very bad place. You'll want to read it for his analysis on Big Ten Basketball, and also for the great Brian Evans reference, which is the third sentence, which I loved. Uh, he, he talks about how it's been shoved down my throat since birth, Big Ten Basketball, to the extent that I was brainwashed into believing Brian Evans' 1995-96 season at Indiana was the greatest individual campaign in college basketball history. To be fair, averaging 21.2 points, 7.1 boards, and 4.1 assists per game is pretty nuts. That was an amazing senior year from Brian Evans, by the way. Unbelievable. One of the more underrated players in IU basketball history. I wouldn't know. I'm an outsider. That's right. Another guy that I pretended to be in my driveway while a young child. Did um, you even like pop your did you even pop your shoulder back into place like like Evans did during games? Yes, times? I did. did. You do that in your driveway. Good for you. Yes, Good for you. Absolutely. Right. Um so real quick, guys, we only have a couple of minutes left, but Obviously, Saturday, Northwestern, it's senior day. Colin Hartman will be speaking, you know, and based on the conversation that we had earlier today, you know, if Tom Crean ends up leaving Indiana at the end of this season by choice or, you know, because Fred Glass decides to move on, he'll be coaching his last game at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And I know that this year hasn't been great and three of the last four years haven't been great. But I do hope IU fans in attendance understand that perspective uh, and treat it with, I think, the gravitas that it deserves. And I know that there will be the temptation to boo because of how badly the team has played. But I would really ask any IU fan that would boo to reconsider and think about if that's what you would want, the last impression that you make on a coach who maybe hasn't lived up to expectations, but has certainly worked really hard and done a good job I think we owe him more respect as a fan base than that. So that's my thought. Andy, your thoughts on Saturday, IU home game, senior day. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be quick with, with this, but I think, um, you know, with Colin Hartman, you know, certainly expected to see this guy on the floor at assembly hall a lot more than we have so far this season. So whatever cheers you had saved up for him, uh, certainly let those all go as he, uh, you know, goes through the, you know, senior day festivities and, and all those kinds of things. I think we'll be interested to hear kind of what he has to say. Certainly a unique perspective after the way he spent his senior season. Uh, so looking forward to that and, uh, and, and appreciate the things that he did for uh, IU during his time there. Ryan, should we explain what senior day is? Are you? <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate Yeah. I think I've got it, Jared. I think I've got it locked in. Uh, I did graduate in 2006, so I've, I've been around for a while. Uh, no, I, I what I would say about this is if you're an Indiana fan, be classy. I mean, not all divorces have to be messy. Um, you can remain friends. And, and if you're headed for a divorce with Tom Crean, I, I think we should remain friends because he's he's not a bad person. Uh, you know, this isn't this isn't Kelvin Sampson leaving a mess behind. This is a guy who just has tried his hardest and not been successful. So be classy. Send him off positively if this is his last game. And of course, Cheer hard for Colin Hartman. He deserves it. 
Yeah, and and so does the team. You know, this is the last chance to cheer for this team uh, in 2016-17, and it hasn't been a good one. Um, but let's try. Look, home games at Simon Scott Assembly Hall are special. Hopefully, the guys go out there play well. Northwestern has been reeling a little bit of late, so this game certainly seems more winnable now. Uh, and hopefully, it's one that the guys can win and try and build some positive momentum here as we come down to the end of the season. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. Make sure you join us at assemblycall.com after the IU Northwestern game, after the senior speeches, in fact, for our postgame show. Or you can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Our thanks to Hoosier Proud for sponsoring this episode. Go to hoosierproud.com and use the promo code THANKYOU20 for 20% off. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. expensive now this is an insurance moment but three's got it covered three is a product of berkshire hathaway direct insurance company three no nonsense just common sense